Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's be seated. From our first lesson, I have called you by name, you are mine. And from our collect of the day, grant that all who are baptized into his name may keep the covenant they have made. I had uh, sort of a sermon planned, and we were going to investigate the, the depth of meaning of baptism and the breadth of it. There's so much that is in this sacrament for us. Um, and so I'm just going to put that one on pause, and we'll investigate that next time this comes around. Uh, because yesterday I, I got derailed from that sermon in a very unlikely place. We, Derek and I went to Nashville this weekend um, and just for the sole purpose of going to the Opry at the Ryman Auditorium, not for anybody in particular, but just to go. Um, that's, uh, there's some family history there and we just wanted to do it. So we went to Nashville and had a great time and on the way home we made a pilgrimage near and dear to my heart and went to the Jack Daniels Distillery. Check that off my bucket list. Uh, and, it, and I love the company even more now than I ever did after the tour. Um, and we had a wonderful time. But in that uh, tour and, and a, a subsequent experience, um, another thing came into my heart and into my mind that I wanted to explore with you today. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I did not know this, but on our tour we learned that the first head distiller uh, first master distiller at Jack Daniels for Jack Daniel himself was an African-American man. He, uh, so funny history, um, Jack Daniel ran away from home when he was about six years old to the neighbor's house, went very far, uh, and the neighbor was a preacher who had a still. And uh, at starting at seven years old, he learned, Jack Daniel learned how to make whiskey from the preacher man. Now the preacher, eventually his congregation said, you got to choose preacher and or, or distilling. And so he sold the business to Jack, and that's how he came into possession of it. But the preacher, this was before the Civil War, the preacher had an enslaved man who worked for him, who ran the still. 
And after the war, um, Jack Daniel, when he became the owner of the still and the business, um, he hired the man, and that man became his first master distiller. And children of that man still work, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, unbroken chain of people have worked for the company and still work there today. Um, and I noticed in the tour, there's a whole display about him in the, um, in the little museum that you stand in and mill around until it's your turn to go on your tour. Uh, and it's a wonderful display, but they also, the woman who gave us our tour was awesome. Uh, she, she spoke about this man, <clears throat> and she talked about how he had been an enslaved man who, after his freedom, became the, the master distiller, the first master distiller for the company. And that tickled the part in my brain about language. Um, and specifically the intentionality of her choice of language. And the shift that we're making from talking about slaves to enslaved people. And that it was on purpose that she had chosen that language for referring to this man. Because we're making that shift, and it's a new shift in how we speak about um, those who were enslaved in the United States, especially African Americans. We're making that shift because um, it identifies more the humanity of the people who were enslaved. Because to say a slave kind of objectifies them and separates them, it's too easy to think of them as, as less than human by calling them slaves. But to change our language to enslaved man or enslaved person is to first recognize their humanity and then the condition on which, under which they suffered. That the condition did not identify the person. So that's the shift in language that's being made. Um, and I really appreciated on this tour that the tour guide, one, that they had a display specifically to talk about this man, and that the tour guide already is using that different language. And that sort of tickled that part of my brain. Uh, and, and sort of, I was impressed by it, you know. Uh, and then after the tour, wonderful tour, we went into town, into Lynchburg. It's all of a couple hundred yards away, and it's all of about a hundred wide, hundred yards wide. It's tiny. Um, it's A Square. And the first store we saw when we pulled into the square was a rebel, rebel flag store. And I said, well, that, that looks familiar. Um, and and I thought, how interesting. What a juxtaposition that that part of my brain was just tickled in the tour. And now to come into town and see a store wholly dedicated to rebel memorabilia, big flags flying out front. Um, and just the contrast of those things. I, I'm not going to speak for all of you, but I feel just a, a current of mild stress that's always in my life right now about the polarization in our country. And it's just always sort of there below the surface. And to have experienced the choice of her language in the interview and then seeing this rebel flag store, on the way home, that current floated up to the top and became something that I, I really started to think about um, because it breaks my heart how divided we are um, and how angry we get at one another uh, and how quickly we become angered at one another. And as I started to wrestle with this juxtaposition of these two things in my day, my sermon on baptism started to, to thread its way into that. 
And the sad irony about our divisions is that so much of the source of it is from the same place in the hearts of us all. And that is to be seen. To be seen. That that's the human impulse in the heart of all of us that is the undercurrent of these things that we say divide us and we allow to divide us, but the source is the same for each and every one of us, to be seen and to be known. For the people for whom that shift in language from slave to enslaved people is a hunger to be seen. That's behind that. A hunger for ancestors to have been seen as human beings. A hunger to recognize the struggle within the African American community. The continued struggle to recover from the history of slavery in our country. That for that to be seen and to be known is behind that language and that desire to have these conversations. That same desire to be seen is true in the hearts of the LGBTQ teenager who goes to her room and cuts herself because she can't bring herself to talk to her parents about her identity, the very heart of who she is. And at the heart of that is still a desire to be seen. That's true of the family that runs the rebel flag store. For so many who fly that flag today, it's out of a heartbreak for a way of life they see disappearing and in the face of a livelihood disappearing. When we drive through West Virginia, when we visit Derek's family, my heart breaks for the coal country people because they have nothing except identity. And that's the last thing that flag represents for them. Because they are forgotten. You want to know some of the most forgotten in our country? Go to poor Appalachia. They want to be seen. And that's what that flag means for them. It's no less true for those who are fighting for the immigrants at the border to speak of them in terms of immigrants instead of aliens because they want them to be seen as people hungering for something better, something different. That fight is to have their humanity recognized. So too is that the same thing that pushes the veteran with the MAGA red hat on is a desire to be seen because he sees his brothers and sisters, veterans of our country, forgotten, even though they fought and lost for our country. That hat is a plea to be seen and not forgotten. So all of these things that we say divide us come from a common source of being known. Don't forget me. This tickled the part of my brain this weekend because of baptism. Because in baptism, Many things are a part of this rite. But part of it is God looking at each and every one of us and saying, I see you by name. I call you by name and I see you. 
We are children of God and known by name through the waters of baptism. That is one of the many things we celebrate when we celebrate our baptism, when we stand up and renew our baptismal covenant. When I talked about this with my middle schoolers this week, um, they were so cute. I said, so why baptism? What are we doing? What's happening there? And like person after person, the answer was, we're being washed of our sins. I was like, I'm so glad you've gotten that message. That's part of it, you know. And, and like everyone, they just tried to find different ways of wording. And finally, one of them said, we're being washed of original sin. And like, I just appreciated the doubling down on that answer, you know, like just, she's not going with the sin, so I'm going to go for original sin. I, just, I loved that, you know. And yes, that is a part of it. But I am not convinced that the original sin was disobedience of God. I'm not convinced of that. I'm not convinced that when we talk about our need for redemption and we use that language of original sin that we're talking about the eating of the apple. I think maybe, just maybe, the first great sin and the one that we all suffer from heartily, especially today, is that of separation, objectification, and blame. Eve did it first. The serpent is separate from myself. I have no responsibilities from the serpent. So the serpent is other. The serpent is they. And therefore, it is the serpent's fault. Because I am not one with the serpent. The serpent is the other. And so the serpent made me do it. And then Adam committed the very same sin immediately. Eve is separate from me. She is not a part of me. She is other. She is separate. It is her fault that we did this thing. The blame lies on her, therefore not on me, because we are not of one piece. Maybe, just maybe, the great they is the original sin. And through baptism, God is trying desperately to call us back into relationship, away from the they, and back into we, and brotherhood, and sisterhood, and love, and family. Maybe, just maybe, that's our challenge in the waters of baptism. Maybe our great calling is to fight the temptation of they, is to deny what the world would tell us, that there is such a thing as us versus them, this great illusion that somehow we can divide people into groups, put labels on them, and no longer be responsible one for the other. Maybe our great calling is to resist that. And instead, I don't know, maybe do as God does for us. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we're actually called to be like Christ, 
who refused to see prostitute, refused to see taxpayer, refused to see Gentile Jew, refused to see Roman, only saw children of the kingdom of God. Maybe, just maybe, that is the work we're called to do. So as we celebrate today, being known, being seen, being called by name, being chosen by God as his sons and his daughters to do his work in this incredible world. Just as we celebrate this day, I invite you into renewal of the commitment to do likewise, to take seriously and in earnest the words of our baptismal covenant to respect the dignity of every human being. Drilling in to the heart of one another, where we all hunger for the same things. Refusing instead to let the hat, the t-shirt, the flag, the slogan stop us. Maybe, just maybe, we can be witnesses to that in a world that would argue otherwise. Amen.